Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Here we are again, Brendan here with Mark, Vet Gurus, episode 128, Friday May the 3rd, May the 3rd, April the 3rd, 2020. <laughs> I'm getting a little he- ahead of myself there, Mark. Now, I made, a, 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 I missed out last week. I didn't mention one of our sponsors, and I think we need to mention one of our sponsors. And the one in particular that I think is very relevant for the times, Mark, is Chemical Essentials. And Andrew, who has absolutely run off his feet with trying to supply F10, the veterinary disinfectant, um, worldwide, and he has had he has airlifted a few um, huge crates and packages of it from where it is produced in, in South Africa to, to here in Australia and they've been selling like hotcakes as you can imagine during this coronavirus um, situation here. So some people are doing quite well with the um, current situation and I'm glad to hear that our sponsor um, is doing well and I must admit I did call him up, Mark, um, while you were down in the deep south and ask him, hey, have you got any more hand disinfectant, any hand sanitizer? Because at that stage, and I'll tell you my little story, not as not as dramatic as your story, Mark. Um, I I should be in New Zealand at this time um, at the conference that I was lucky enough to be invited to, and I was going to take Annie and my eldest daughter Jane on a holiday for a week or so, and. It was about three days before we were due to fly out that they finally, New Zealand closed their borders to all international um, travel in Australia shortly afterwards. So I suppose in a way it was fortunate because if I had if it had been a few days later, I would have been stuck in New Zealand and I would have had to self-isolate for the 14 days. So I obviously wouldn't have gone to the conference and it was subsequently cancelled anyway and then I, when I came back to Australia I would have had another 14 oh, days nice. Mark so yeah um, and I did mention to um, Andrew his office where he works out of not, I don't know whether it's a distribution centre as well is not that far from my practice so I, I flicked in him an email and I thought you know mates rates here and I can manage to score it um, a, a hand sanitizer and some more F10 and it was completely out of the F10 and he was going to drop in some of the the hand gel um, that the F10 the excellent as I should say um, sterilizing effective um, hope, F10 hand it, gel I hope it's excellent uh, because for the the last um, ten days of our um, uh, quarantine at home that's what I've been using so. Um, it yes. is an excellent product and um, yes. one that I I can genuinely speak to, Brendan, because I'm using it in my moment of need. Yes, and he has, I must admit, he has updated the website, the chemicalessentials.com.au website with information on coronavirus, so it is a, quite a good resource as well. Um, so, yeah, he was going to drop in some of the hand sanitizer which he subsequently didn't because he realised that we weren't going on our trip, which, I mean, my slightly slightly um, frustrating and a little bit um, annoying um, aspect of it is I did cancel the flights 
online with Qantas. I had the flights booked with Qantas and I have found them very good generally. Um, and they were in this situation in the end. Um, so I cancelled online about three or four days before my flights were due to head out because I couldn't get through to the call centre because things were going gangbusters here, Mark. And for instance, when one day I tried to find the the direct line for the Qantas Club members, which I'm a Qantas Club member, um, the recorded message says the current wait time is eight hours <laughs> on the phone. Um, so it was just absolutely crazy. So I tried to cancel online and I managed to finally do that online, my flights, uh, and potentially I would have had to pay a penalty of, I think, $150 each passenger. So that would have been, what, four, $450. Um and I was trying to chase up whether I could get the refund with that as well. Um, I did get an email back from Qantas saying your flight has been cancelled, but the the um, the quite dis- quite disturbing aspect was that when I logged into my Qantas account, the flight was still listed as the days approached, Mark, to the tentative departure, oh and goodness. that flight did that flight did depart on the Saturday, and. Um, I had two alerts from Qantas, uh, one on my Apple Watch and one um, email on the Friday morning saying, congratulations, your your request for business class upgrade has been has been um, has been approved. Um, and um, I had an alert um, a couple of minutes later from my American Express um, account saying, Qantas has debited your American Express card with four hundred dollars because I made it. I made an offer a week or so before oh. um, on, um, to, to upgrade and at hundred dollars each or something or other. Um, so for some reason, the system has still it, it debited and added some fee on top. So it debited four hundred thirty dollars to my credit card, which went had gone straight through, um, and was saying enjoy your business class flight to to New Zealand. Um, so I started to panic mildly at that stage because it was one day before the flight was was still going ahead and, you know, I had the email from Qantas say that it had been cancelled um, and then subsequently I had a, your check-in is available online. Oh, um, and I kept getting all these alerts from Qantas and then I finally um, had a text from Qantas with a completely different phone number and I think it was their emergency phone number that, you can call within you know 24 hours of the flight or whatever so i phoned that one and it was answered by a human um within you know 30 seconds and um a lovely lady on the end of the phone said yep no worries yep it's all been cancelled it just hasn't you know the system's in a bit of a meltdown and i'll put it all through and that extra amex fee yep that'll be refunded straight away and uh, we are going to refund you 100% of, of, of the flight um, of what you paid because quite, and it varies between um, different um, different um, airlines, Mark, but um, Qantas are mainly trying to encourage um, people to, to take what's called a credit voucher. Yep. So um, you, um, the only difficulty with that, and that, that happened with me, is that um, – it gives you credit for 12 months from the day you made your booking. And the booking I made was last December, so it would run out this December and we're still not quite sure when the the conference will occur again. We are going to have it in New Zealand and it may be late November, potentially as late as next February. So it wouldn't have worked. And the other difficulty is that it's not like a 
you get a little voucher, you know, a birthday voucher credit card um, 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 or card, um, say for $100, you can use $50 of it and you still have $50 left on the card. You have to use it all in one go. And also, if you look in the fine print, that um, the same the same people that were listed on the on the flight, um, I think, supposedly have to have to be involved in that. And there's a chance that um, um, the other members of my family may be, may not be able to come with me, um, depending on what time of the year it is. So it wouldn't have worked. So online, I just applied for a complete refund. And depending on the level of of of, of what flight you booked, I I got the second cheapest one, which the cheapest one, you know, typically says no refund. Um, and then the next one, it's like a hundred bucks or so each. But with the current situation, she she even before I asked for it, she said, "Look, you know, with the coronavirus situation, we're we're refunding a hundred percent anyway, so don't worry about it." So I'm just waiting for that to go through, which they said could take up to a week or so. So all good in the end, Mark, but that's um, not quite as dramatic as your your um, your um, flights in and out and your boat trip that you spoke about in part one of this um, trip to the ice <laughs> age. Um, so, yes, so enough of me rambling, Mark. Um, I think we should get stuck into part two of of the ice trip, Mark, and your trip. For those of you who haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and listen to that. Stop now and then um, restart. And Mark is going to talk about, or I'm going to potentially quiz him as well, about what he saw and what he did once he got down to the Antarctic. So so how long actually, how many days were you down in the Antarctic and did you just do day trips from the boat and then you're back on the boat or did you stay on land? They're great questions. We... um. And we were, we were on the boat for 22 days um, and we stayed on the boat each day uh, that we weren't traveling ocean wise. Um, we, there were, there were activities, you know, we'd get in the Zodiac and go somewhere for three or four hours twice a day. Um, and, and geez, um, the places, the good thing about, um, this trip was for us was that um, I think with most of these trips they have to be fairly flexible. So they have a you know a stated itinerary, but um, weather conditions might mean that they can't do things at particular locations, and and uh, they might have you know sometimes um, particular slabs of a tour might not be able to go ahead. And one of the things that happened to us while we were there was that one of the I mentioned last week that there were 140 guests, and one of those guests uh, broke their leg. Um, they were on one of the stops. They uh, slipped on a rock and snapped their tibia, and uh, at the same time tore their uh, gastroc tendon. So, and that was on um, South Georgia, and there was a real risk that uh, we would have to um, uh, go back. Like turn around and go back to the Falklands. Fortunately, um, there was a, a ship headed back to the Falklands. A relatively, you know, the, this was a we were told a one in a thousand shot that there would be another ship, and they would be happy to accept a patient with a fractured leg. Uh, yes. They did, and so we were able to go on. But apparently, that sort of thing is not unheard of on these. Uh, on these southern trips that things go wrong, people get sick and, and uh, the whole thing has to be called off. So they didn't, as part of the crew, they didn't have a medic yes. or, or a GP? They did. No, no, they had, there was a ship doctor, Bruno, 
Bruno was the ship doctor, Doctor Bruno, and uh, and he was great. Um, and uh, and he was in fact a, a um, uh, um, I think it was the uh, Netherlands Army that he had worked in as a um, expedition and um, wilderness medicine specialist. Um, and so he was um, well on the job and set the bloke up well for his uh, three-day trip back to the Falklands, to Stanley in the Falklands, um, which further stabilised him and um, then transported him three more days to, uh, to, I think he went to Santiago for his final series of surgeries to uh, get things sorted. But um, but it did was a little, two messages came out of that for me. The first one was that it really brought home how remote we genuinely were um, and um, how seriously bad things could potentially go with, you know, relatively um, uh, modest trouble, um, modest things going the wrong way elsewhere um, could really make a mess of this trip. Yes. So if they hadn't have done that, then what, they would have turned your ship around and had to head back and cancel the rest of the trip? With that's, that right. Broken yeah. Yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's right. And they, they, some of the other sorts of, they've had to do this before. One of the uh, um, things that has happened on one of these trips was um, someone uh, had uh, was bitten by an um, Antarctic seal. One of the, many of the locations were at, well, there were Antarctic seals, but particularly in November when the males are setting up territories for reproductive activity um, to hold their harems, they are really aggressive and uh, anyone who wanders into one of those territories runs the risk of a, a bit of a bite. The pups that are there at the, as we were down there um, would do a little run at you like a, you know, threatening little run as you were nearby uh, but if you stood, stood still they would invariably back down um, but the the bigger males um, I, I wouldn't uh, want one of the you know they they're like a couple of rottweilers wrapped up in a wetsuit and um, and when they were unhappy I wouldn't want to be near them mm. so I presume a lot of the people who were on the on the boat as as the tourists were pretty keen photographers like yourself, Mark, is that correct? Well, I, um, they would have also, apart from that, that the doctor there, they would have had what like ecologists who could talk about the the region and they had um, other sort of scientists. Yeah, they had a team of um, very very well educated um, uh, glaciologists, two glaciologists, uh, a number of geologists, um, and a, a variety of ecologists amongst the guides. Um, they had a photography. And they had two photography guides, um, so there were heaps of people, and um, and a very uh, um, surprising thing to me was the way that when we did have, uh, I think there were th there was over the twenty two days there was um, I think twenty odd scheduled you know visits to go to um, to uh, particular locations, and we missed three because of the weather. Um, but what they on those ocean days when we were traveling on the ocean across the Drake Passage or whatever, or on those days where we failed to be able to get in the zodiacs, they actually had lectures. These guides yes. would give us some uh, two or three lectures, and, and they were excellent presentations. Mark, you should have got up and given a couple, <laughs> you would have been fantastic. Um, you should be scoring a 
uh, a, tr- a free trip next time as being one of the experts. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's flawed, you hasn't it? I, I um, have no answer for that. So they had the so, really cool thing about it, though. You know what I'm like when I go to these places. I really focus on the wilderness and the wildlife, um, but the educational opportunities and the fact that um, that there were geologists and glaciologists who were, you know, experts, uh, uh, PhD quality um, uh, experts in their area, um, that provided a, a whole window f- of um, other things to learn. And, and of course, the, the history, I'm not a big, you know, history buff generally, but once I sort of start to get a bit of a feel for the history and you start to get a little bit of a... Um, I know the whole proximity thing, being in the space where these things happened and to see some of the places where some of the explorers to the Antarctic went really, I don't know, sends a chill up your spine. Yes. Well, tell me about, well, tell me about lots of things. Tell me about the, the scale of the place and maybe start with the, not the animals, but the, the environment there and the, the ice and the glaciers and all that sort of stuff. <sighs> It is. I I know words like um, astonishing and amazing are, are used routinely, but um, but going down there has revised my use of words like that. This was truly epic, Brendan, and and everywhere you looked, um, there were landscapes, landforms, mountains. Um, short glaciers, long glaciers, icebergs. I just, I didn't never realised how, um, how on so many levels, on just the physical stature of them, being impressed by them, but also the beauty, the colour, the 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 um, different forms, the the um, different ages. That just icebergs alone would have made the trip an entertainment and worth its while. But um, Crockies, the 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 whole place. Um, when you say you're going to visit the Antarctic um, uh, Peninsula and and you're going to see that part of the world, uh, you are visiting another continent and just a small part of it. But you get a sense of the the your small place in the world when you when you uh, see some of these vistas. Have I got you, Brendan? Have I floored you? Have you fainted? No. You know what I've done. I, I, I had myself on mute while I was listening intently to your description there. So did the glaciologists talk about um, their concerns and did they give you some idea? And I suppose when you went on the land there, some of the areas that where the, where the where the rock or the earth was exposed, where previously it was ice, etc. Did you see the actual effects of yes. potential melting, etc.? But it was a funny thing, Brendan. It was it was. Uh, Kate and I were were quietly surprised at at what we thought of as a little bit of a strange juxtaposition. There was a regular talk by these young, you know experts, uh, our guides who had these qualifications about various aspects of global warming and how particularly it's affecting the Antarctic. But they were very, very cautious. They were very, uh, I don't know, um, almost to the point of um, 
of you know not forcing people um, to draw too straight a bow. And there was, in fact, um, by one of the presenters, a specific lecture. Um, and I formed the opinion that they were they were being careful with their market. I think um, that that if they were overly enthusiastic about um, about the evidence before them, um, that they may well have switched off a lot of you know the the people who formed their their uh, core clientele. So they were fairly cautious, um, but they were definitely you know as we zip up on the zodiac onto um, uh, rocky beaches, um, they would they would clearly point out that the point we were landing on only two or three years ago was within a, a shelf of ice. Um, it was clear that there was dramatic changes, um, uh, um, you know, and even the time of year. One of the things that happens at the end of summer as the, the ice continues to melt um, is that uh, there's the snow algae forms there's algae that's specifically evolved to grow in the water underneath the ice. And so um, there's a beautiful um, uh, green and brown, um, browny red. They call it watermelon ice uh, because of the colours. And um, and uh, this is, it's much, much more extensive uh, than it's ever been, and it's occurring much earlier in the year than it ever has before, um, you know, giving a direct indication that the the background temperatures are normal. Uh, one of the highest temperatures ever recorded, well, the highest temperature ever recorded on the Antarctic Peninsula was two days before we got there, 20 degrees, the first time it's ever been recorded anywhere yes. on the Antarctic to be over 20 degrees. And that was one of my other questions. Was, so what was the temperature variations there so what was a typical day apart from that oh, exceptionally for the, warm day for the whole time we were actually on uh, in the antarctic um it was cold it was um within two or three degrees of zero um and um it was uh, at one point um it was with the wind chill factor it was uh, i think 28 below it was cold um but despite the fact that it was cold to us, um, it's not as cold as it would normally be there at this time of year. So, um, so that just speaks to me about how bloody cold the place is normally. Because um, if it's a little bit warmer than usual and it's still those temperatures, my goodness, it must be cold when it's really cold down there. It's a bit chilly yes so let's talk animals mark so what did you see oh brendan it was like being it was literally like being in a living breathing nat geo special um the uh the falklands were great we at the falklands we um visited a black browed albatross colony um and the rock hopper penguins were there and the the um the uh, um, turkey vultures, um, I haven't seen those guys before. They're pretty special birds of prey. Um, and the caracaras, the striated caracaras, they're also uh, scavengers of, um, of uh, seabird colonies. And uh, we got some excellent views of those. There were um, uh, sea whales in the water around the, the colony. 
Um, and we also saw the uh, Commerson's dolphin. That's that one of those black and white uh, dumpy looking dolphins. Um, so just that was just in the first stop in the Falklands. And I'm going, this can't get any better. And then we went to South Georgia. And anyone who knows anything about this part of the world will know that South Georgia is just a most amazing place. Um, and um, one of the most amazing things about it is that uh, it's a favoured um, breeding site for a number of species, but two that really took my fancy were the uh, southern elephant seal, the larger of the two, you know, there's a northern and southern elephant seal. These guys um, were doing their their uh, post-reproductive season shed and they were all laying on the, on the beach with like a bad sunburn with peeling bits of skin. Um, and, and they did put on a pretty good, you know, they were a bit grumpy. And so they were having a go at each other on a regular basis. So we got good views of giant elephant seal bulls uh, doing the, you know, swing their head over and half, have a go at biting each other. But the highlight, Brendan, was the, the colonies of um, king penguins. So the king penguins breed... 95% of the world's population of king penguins breed on South Georgia. And we got to see um, uh, several colonies, but the one that took my breath away. There was a few dozen, wasn't there, in some of those? Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> St Andrews colony that we saw had a million pairs of birds. It, 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 is, it is like, you know, a breathtaking wonder of nature to just stand there and behold the... The, uh, the the birds they were there were a lot of chicks too at this time of year um, there's probably the chicks have probably progressed a little bit more they were a, a, quite a few late ones um, but honestly just seeing the skewers and the the uh, um, snowy sheath bills patrol around trying to sneak eggs away um, uh, things like that will just you know I never thought I'd have the chance to see them and I feel so lucky to have seen them. And I feel lucky to see a few of the photos that you've flicked my way, Mark, and I'm looking forward with great envy of seeing a few more of them. Now, did, were there any um, professional photographers on the trip as well, apart from yourself, obviously, semi-professional? <laughs> um, they, the, there are, um, but you could imagine, each of these trips, whether they're, there's a few of them now that are specifically photography-based, but um, even this one... Almost everyone had, um, you know, a bloody good camera. Um, the guy, each of the guides uh, would take their camera when they were doing the reconnoiter, and they got some bloody beautiful shots. I wish I that you were talking about me being a guide on one of these things. Um, I would, you know, I might be asking for a reference to try and sneak my way in some way onto one of these ships because the opportunities they got during the reconnoiters to get some pretty cracking shots were pretty special. Um, there was, they did have two uh, uh, professional photographers, um, 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 Massimo uh, Bassano, who's a Nat Geo photographer from Italy, um, was the lead photographer and, uh, and he was excellent um and his uh partner um miriam i can't remember miriam's surname but she's a videographer she teaches videography in vancouver um and so they um gave us some excellent uh tutorials um and just artistic direction in general and um, it was a little bit hard though you know there were times well, i can tell you 
one of the things I did wrong that when I go back, um, I will probably not do this as much. I tried to see everything. I would get off the Zodiac. I would I would bump a few of the older people out of the way to get on the Zodiac first. <laughs> I'd get there and I would um, then I'd buzz around everywhere and try and see everything. Um, they they make calls at a particular time to get us back, and so I would hang back and you know my rule was first on, last off, maximum time on the on the site. Um, but but I would get back to the boat and um, and and I'd you know I should have just sat quietly, picked one spot, often quite close to the zodiac is a good spot. Um, and sink and, in and yeah. Yeah, just immerse yourself. Um, and I, I wish I'd done that a little bit more, but uh, I'll just have to save that up and do it next time. Now, did your lovely wife Kate go on every all the trips, or did she she do she do the same, or she was more sensible and and sat in one one place and just soaked it all in? No, I think we we were both a little bit um, uh, overdosed on those endorphins, and and uh, we were trying to take it all in and. And do every you know walk every centimeter that we could. Um, so we were both out there on each of the uh, the um, the stops. And and once we the interesting thing um, from South Georgia, then we went down to the Antarctic Peninsula, um, and there we um, we uh, we got mainly we got to see different uh, seal species, the crab eaters, and the, um, we got to see some leopard seals um, and. Um, when we, but the whales, we 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 saw more whales than than I think I've. Well, definitely, um, uh, you know, I've been over to Tahiti and had some diving with the the humpbacks last year, but um, we saw blue whales, fin whales, humpbacks, minks, seas. Um, we we were uh, we were just overwhelmed. Killer whales. We well, it was. I can't. I don't. I don't know whether my um, uh, I'm starting to get that overdose of endorphin all happening again, Brendan. So you had a whale of a time, <laughs> and did you? I think you mentioned. Did you see your back passage, <laughs> or the back passage, or not? We did uh, did have to go. The Drake Passage is the is the Drake Passage. Sorry, right. my mistake. <laughs> the Drake yes. Passage is a, a um, is a really exciting end to the trip. It's uh, the um, uh, some report it to be the roughest piece of ocean in the world, um, and uh, it lived up to its um, reputation on our trip back to Oswaya. Now I'm still looking for you. Have to forward me that video of. You in the boat, Mark, um, with, and I'm sure I'll become seasick just <laughs> looking at it as well. And and for our listeners, we 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 um, if you've already listened to part one, we one of the picture the cover picture there is um, from Mark, and part two, which you need to send me, Mark, uh, um, some interest in of um, one of your. They're all great pictures, but one of um, what you think is a. Uh, best of the best picture and we'll pop that in at um, the website too as a, the main picture as well um, so you're planning to put all are you planning are you going to frame a couple of these pictures mark and hang them up um, at, at home or put them into a book or what I've got no idea what I'll do with them I don't know I'm, I'm framing the look you know you're a better photographer than I am and um, one of the things that makes 
you get to be a better photographer like you is to actually print them out. And and it is sort of like the acid test, isn't it? Uh, you can have them on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and, and, uh, and they are still a little bit ephemeral, but there's something about printing them out and sticking them on your wall that... Uh, I think that's something I learned from, I don't know, some photographer I follow who said, you know, yeah, you're not a photographer until you print... Um, it onto paper and and or frame them and um, I must admit even um, most of my and crappy pictures which most of them are um, it's totally different isn't it when you print them out so I think it's something that I and I must do that with a few of my um, recent ones as well just um, I think it's the way to go Mark so the, the few I've seen that you've sent me from this trip of yours are, are amazing so you need to spit a couple out and print them Mark well, yeah, I think you're right, and I will. I'll select a couple, and and I'll try and convince Kate that there's a decent spot on our wall to put them. And otherwise, Mark, it's a very good segue to we can have one of those as a as a print um, that we can have for our next special for our listeners, Mark. Definitely. Um, up to what up to what 128 episodes. So perhaps that can be one of the prizes for our 150th episode. Sounds like um, a plan, Brendan. Excellent. Well, I think um, I think we might leave it there, Mark. Because do, do you want to? Is there any sort of final comments about about your trip? And um, there's um, only one. Have, have you had to, has your coronavirus test come back yet? Yeah. Um, or you've been trying to avoid the authorities? I still, I'm blaming- as long as you don't go out, they don't come round to your house. <laughs> well, you never know; they might be listening to this, Mark. So get ready for a knock on the door as soon as this is posted. Yeah, um, I was going to say to you that. Um, one of the questions that really worried me, and I was so glad that they did a lecture on this on the boat, was that um, was the environmental impact of tourism down there, and um, and it is. Mark, a- I'm going to interrupt you there. That oh, as soon as you started mentioning that, um, it was one of the first questions. Annie, my lovely wife, said to me, she said, I always worry about, you know, should we should people go to places that are sort of out of the way, like the Antarctic? So I'm. Um, I'm listening, Mark, and I'll pass on your your comments to Annie as soon as we finish recording. Well, the, it was a worry for me too because I would, you know, I would as much as I want to be in that space and see those things, I could not do it if I thought that what we were doing was um, making things worse. Um, and the whole thing, um, I'm so proud of the company we went with and, and the things they did to minimise impact and, and the way they took um, the ship had, in addition to the, uh, the the guides who were experts, they had two um, uh, scientists that they invited from, um, from uh, somewhere in California who were um, doing a number of um, sound-based experiments on marine mammals. Um, and uh, and so they had an opportunity to travel and make an additional series of recordings, particularly about seals, um, that uh, that they can add to their research. And so um, while there's no doubt it's predominantly a tourist vessel, um, they definitely made significant efforts. And one of the things that stood out was the biosecurity. They um, 
you know, we'd taken waterproof gear with us, but um, there was a half-day inspection where they made us bring out every bit of clothing we were going to take onto any of the uh, the sites, and they pulled it to bits. They checked every bit of Velcro, pulled everything that ever had a seed on it off. Um, that, it was fantastic to see that their level of commitment to the care of the area um, was as high as mine. So um, I feel much more comfortable about contemplating a return and encouraging Annie to come along. Excellent. So what about on your travels back? What was did you have any inspections there and were they were they thorough as well at the border border controls, both overseas and when you arrived back in Australia, or were they a little bit Lacks. No, no. I think the um, definitely the you and I have been through the the uh, um, yes. the quarantine at uh, Sydney Airport and Melbourne Airport. Um, they they ask questions, and I you know one of the questions on the form that you're asked is, have you been to a, a pristine place? Have you been into rivers, and have you been to places where birds might be breeding? Um, and so uh, I did answer in the affirmative. Um, explained where we'd been, uh, but our gear had all been um, scrubbed with uh, um, antiseptic, um, and uh, and they did do an inspection of the bottom of our shoes and and uh, check that the cleanliness was appropriate. So yeah, I I was pretty impressed with the biosecurity at each point where that sort of stuff happened. Yes, I was. I just hope. I was hoping you weren't going to be on that border security show, Mark. Yeah. Um, have you declared any food in your suitcase? No. And then they open up the suitcase, the usual, with bags and bags of <laughs> um, food that shouldn't have been brought in. Um, well, I'm just as envious as I was at the start when I first heard that you were heading off on this exciting trip, Mark, um, even during that panic of that week um, before you left when you're trying to arrange the flights, etc. I was a bit concerned when we didn't hear from you for um, at all for two weeks and you being the social media butterfly you are, um, I, I was I was particularly concerned about you, Mark. Um, but it's great to have you back, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of your photos and, and the videos. And um, thanks for sharing with all our listeners um, your little travelogue. And um, we'll get back to normal programming next week <laughs> with some more appropriate veterinary stories. But that was fantastic. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time.